Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast in partnership with our awesome sponsors, Najahi Events. Go check the Najahi tribe out and uh, learn lots of new stuff there. Okay, so today's episode... Look, there's a guy out there that thinks he's a better salesman than me, so we're going to test that out this afternoon, okay? I've got an awesome guy on the show, Bradley, founder and chairman of Lightspeed VT, an interactive experience-based training and communications platform that helps people achieve success. With over 25 years in sales and marketing experience, Brad is committed to advancing companies and helping them scale and succeed. He's based in Las Vegas. Okay, the company boasts a bevy of A-list clients like Tony Robbins, our man Grant Cardone, Damon John, and there's many more out there. Brad is also the author of the Real Deal License Training Program, host of the Bottom Line and Dropping Bombs podcast, aimed to educate and solve everyday problems for entrepreneurs. His passion on helping companies in improving existing systems and processes has revolutionized the online training world. I'm going to be experiencing this myself, and I'll talk to you about that in a while. Okay, so quite simply, this is what I've heard, okay? He predicts he'll be a billionaire by the time he's 55. Now, when you see him, you're going to see that he looks really young, but I heard the other day that one of his kids is 32, and if that's the case, he's either got a really good doctor or he's got good genes. Founded Lightspeed over 20 years ago. He's created the Logic Selling System, Leverage, Obvious Gain, Intelligence, and Common Sense. Recorded 265 podcasts for his Dropping Bombs podcast and he's got four daughters. I've only got two. Bradley, welcome to the show. Man, thank you for having me. It's so good to get a chance to spend some time with you. I've watched you, and I, I mentioned to my audience the other day, I've got Bradley coming on the podcast. Who knows him? And there's people that either really know you, that kind of like follow you all the time, or people that don't know you. I've done a bit of an intro, but just tell me a bit. I mean, you, you, you were a car salesman once, right? Yes, I was. I've, I've pretty much sold everything in my lifetime, but mainly, yeah, I cut my teeth in the car business. How did you get into it? You know, I had this job with manual labor, which was very, very quick and easy to decide. I did not like manual labor. So I opened up a newspaper and saw an advertisement for selling cars. I went in there and they gave me a free car to drive, got to wear a suit and man, I was sold. So I started, you know, instantly. And, uh, you know, off and on for the next 20 years, stayed in the business. That's interesting. My first job, my first job, I only did it for a month, though, was a, a car dealership, a BMW car dealership in the UK. But I got fired after a month for having a bad attitude. And I went on then to, to sell office equipment, photocopiers and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I, I learned how to sell, you know, knocking on doors, you know, 90, 100 cold calls a day, 99 door knocks a day, all that kind of stuff in the late 80s. And so I think there are lots of synergies. Whenever I meet car salespeople from that era, there seems to be a lot of very similar stories, funny client type experiences and stuff. And I think car salespeople have uh, uh, got something about them, haven't they, typically when they do well. And it's nice to be around them. Yeah, I think I think there's a camaraderie and a little bit of thick skin, you know, a little bravado. But but ultimately, you know, there's a lot of salesmen that that kind of give out the stereotype, uh, mainly used car salesmen or car salesmen. So I think I think that uh, stereotype has changed a little bit over the years nowadays. But man, I'm proud of it. I'm really passionate about sales and in, in not so much in the US. Well, I can't say that. I've never lived there. But in the UK, salespeople are hated. 
They always have been ever since I've been in sales. They've looked, they've been looked down upon. They've been, you know, disrespected and seen as, you know, as the kind of the, the, the dirt bags of any, any industry. But I remember I met a girl once in a bar when I was 19 years old. She was the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen in my life. And I didn't have the courage to go and speak to her for a couple of hours. Eventually I did. She told me she was a secretary in some architectural firm. And when I told her I was a sales guy, she was really disappointed. You know, she was hoping to have met a, an investment banker or a lawyer or, you know, someone that was, you know, more worthy kind of thing. And I said to her, just imagine if there were no salespeople, where would the revenue come from and how would these businesses get on? You look at business nowadays, if there's no people bringing money in the front door, then there's no business. So all of these accountants, lawyers, barristers, architects, supply chain managers, office managers, operations managers, you name it, they've only got a job because someone is bringing revenue through the door. So why can't we just respect salespeople a bit more than we do? Well, first of all, you know, I do and, and I hear what you're saying, but let me tell you something. Everyone's a salesperson. Every, everybody you just named is a salesperson. They may not realize it, which is why they suck at it, um, or they don't want to admit it. But the fact is, a dentist is a salesperson. A doctor is a salesperson. LeBron James, people think they pay him to play basketball. Dude, they pay him to sell tickets. They pay him to sell jerseys, okay? He's a salesperson. Everyone's a salesperson from the day you're born to the day you die. The difference between good salespeople and bad ones are the good ones realize they're actually doing it and they've, and they've, and they've practiced and, and, and improved their skills. And the bad ones, they don't realize they're doing it. And the really bad ones are the ones that hate other salespeople. If anyone hates a salesperson, what they're really saying is that they're racist, stereotyping jack-offs. Because let me tell you something. You, the reason you hate a salesperson is because you assume they pressure people. They, you assume they're, they're arrogant. You assume they rip people off. And again, those are just assumptions. And I'm sure that there are salespeople out there that do that. But there's also dentists out there that do that and doctors that do that and barristers, as you call them, which I think are lawyers, right? Judges, maybe? The ones that wear the wigs, yeah. <laughs> they're all types of bad people, right? So there's, there's doctors, there's, you know, barristers and there's good ones so at the same time it applies to salespeople. but here's what i'm trying to basically get people to understand you are a salesperson whether you think you are or not the difference is is if you know you are and you practice drill and rehearse the techniques and learn and master the skill then you're able to do it better now if you think you're not a salesperson that's what you have to basically kind of change in your mindset now, if you believe that you're a salesperson, you probably don't hate salespeople. Mm, I agree with that. Now, uh, people seem to get into sales because they get, a, you know, they get bad qualifications or no qualifications at university or they want to try and find a way of making more money than just a steady job sometimes. But if you, if you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, you want to be an engineer, you've got to study and you've got to be qualified. I find a lot of people in sales don't become qualified to be salespeople. They don't learn the actual trade, the industry itself. And that's why I think that a lot of salespeople fail. Do you, do you think that the same? Do you experience that in the States? Lots of people kind of fall into sales, but they don't then look at it as a career and a craft and they get it wrong. Yeah, that, that hundred percent. Absolutely. Again, I mean, what, my dad came home when I was in the 11th grade, just started the 11th grade. My dad came home a little bit drunk and kicked me out of the house for not mowing the lawn. So I basically made the wise decision being on my own at 16 years old to drop out of school. So I dropped out of school. So I didn't get the degrees. 
I didn't even graduate for that matter. But at the end of the day, right now, I've got two PhDs, four MBAs, 12 bachelors, and nine associate's degrees. And what I say is, why earn one when you can hire one? So people are like, well, how'd you do that if you dropped out? Dude, I hired them, okay? And I'm a salesperson. So salespeople are the highest paid profession in the world, period, bar none. So again, folks, listen, I, I don't know why people are impressed with, with, with degrees. All that says is that you stayed in class longer than the next person. Okay, you should be impressed on how many lives are you impacting? How many people are you helping? How many problems are you solving? And if a salesperson understands what a salesperson is supposed to do, a salesperson's job is simply to show people solutions because people don't buy products and services. They buy solutions and results. I completely agree with you. The, the companies over here, and, and, and I for sure know that companies over here haven't really heard of Lightspeed. Can you just, can you, I know you've been doing it a long time and you've probably done the elevator pitch a million times, but can you, can you just tell us a bit more about what it is, how it works and how, how you're better than others? Because I have an e-learning platform. I have a sales training university. Okay. And I don't use Lightspeed. Okay because I don't know what the difference really is between what you guys do and others. The difference is our system was designed to actually get people to learn and, and most platforms are designed to host videos. So you probably, I, I, I don't know because I haven't seen it, but you probably have a hosting system and what you really want is a learning system. Ours is a learning system. It was designed to get you to actually learn what's in the system. Most of them are designed to host videos and let people access them. The, the way you actually learn, believe it or not, is four different ways, Spencer. And if you don't include these in your training, well, then it's not really training. It's just exposing. The four ingredients, number one, you have to have good content. I assume you have that. Okay. Number two, you have to have repetition. Okay. That's why school's 12 years and not 12 days, right? Who wants to go to a church where the, where the pastor read the Bible once? Okay. That's why you go through school over and over, ABCs over and over. You learn with repetition. So you have to deliver repetition. You have to have practice and role play, and you have to have accountability. Most systems out there, they're not tracking how many times people went through the material. They're not even testing them in a variety of ways to make sure that they're actually understanding the material. They're not practicing and role playing with the material. So they're not, there's no way to simulate exercises to make sure that people actually grasp uh, the information and then start to get comfortable doing it. Because again, you know, I watch mixed martial arts, doesn't make me a black belt. Yeah. Okay. I watch golf all the time. Doesn't help my golf game. So guess what? You can sell someone a video, which is what most people do. They say they have universities online. All they mean is they got their videos online. So you can log in and watch videos. Our system allows you to interactively adapt the content to the individual through interactive choices, options, and assessments. And then ours also, and by the way, that allows you to create interactive training. Um, it has an interactive training uh, or an interactive video composer within the system. So you can make more engaging content. You can collect data, but more importantly, you can adapt the information based on the individual. Everybody doesn't learn the same. Everybody isn't the same. So if you have one size fits all video, you're basically saying this video has the information. We don't care who you are. Well, that's the problem with the education system, quite frankly. The education system is, is delivering antiquated content to individuals 
in mass. They don't care what the kid's interested in, what he's talented in. You know, they don't care where they're from, where their background is. All they care about is, hey, you know, you got to learn that George Washington had wooden teeth. Well, number one, I don't care that George Washington had wooden teeth, nor have I ever used that in my life, nor have I ever used a protractor, okay? But guess what? It's one size fits all, and that's the problem, and that's where our system differentiates. Our system is allows you to adapt to the individual and deliver the content as many times as necessary to get that individual to learn. Did you, did you then consume other types of learning content yourself when you were a sales guy for you to then come up with this kind of idea? What is it that triggered this for you and for you to go into creating this type of platform? Where, where, did, you, where did you feel it yourself? Well, I was running a car dealership and I was uh, ultimately responsible for hiring and training and developing the, the personnel. So I became really good at developing sales managers and salespeople. And, you know, I could take someone off the street, Burger King, introvert, extrovert, male, female, didn't matter. I could take them and boom, turn them into a pretty damn good salesperson, closer, sales manager. And, and I, got, I got so comfortable with it. Um, it, was just, it was just a knack, I guess. So one day I see this guy in the back of the car lot. He's a porter. You've been in the car dealership. So he's the dude that washes the cars. Hardest working dude at the whole dealership, making the least amount of money. That's why you always hear hard work is the key. Dude, listen, if you think about it, Spencer, the hardest working people are the ones making the least. Nine times out of 10. Am I lying? No. Okay, so why are they trying to feed us that bull that hard work is the answer? Okay. My dad was work was a hard worker. He died broke. Okay. This lot porter was working harder than anyone at the dealership broke. So I basically, I, I befriended him. We started shooting the, shooting the breeze. And I said, listen, let me bring you up here. And he said, Oh, I can't, I'm not, you know, I'm an introvert. I don't like salespeople. I don't like sales. I can't do it. I said, give me a, give me a week or two. I give him a, three months after I started training him, he was doing 10, 15 grand a month. His whole life changed. And I thought, wow, this is cool, man. I've got the ability to change people's lives. I didn't really think about it before, but when I saw this guy transform and I saw his whole family transform and his children come in happier and, and, and his wife come in more proudly and like, you know, it was just amazing. So I said, I'm going to quit my job and start a training company. So basically I quit my job. I was doing maybe four to 500,000 a year. So I just quit my job and I started a training company and I started to tell people, Hey, you want to train your sales team? Hire me for $10,000. I'll show up for a day and I'll freaking make them awesome. Well, I started doing that and I started getting hired, but the problem was it wasn't working. I was going in and I was saying the same thing, but it just wasn't making this impact. And I couldn't figure out why, because I was, I was doing the same thing, or at least I thought. So I decided, man, I got to figure this out because I don't feel right charging someone $10,000 to train their team, knowing full well their team is not getting trained. How did I know? Because the results weren't there. It just, it just wasn't working like it used to. And I couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. So I basically went back and I just started to do a little comparison. What did I do before and what am I doing now? And that's where I came up with the four key ingredients of effective training. And most businesses and, and, and business professionals and subject matter experts like yourself and Tony Robbins and these people, they didn't really get it either because training is not once and done, okay? You don't say something and then check a box and say somebody's trained. So I was out there 
saying it and then leaving. There was no repetition, there was no practice, and there was no accountability. So I started to realize when I worked places that I was doing it over and over. I was holding people accountable because they worked for me. I was telling them what to say and then I was making sure they said it. I was, I was teaching them over and over. We'd role play, we'd practice. It would be repetition, repetition. And then I realized out here, I'm not delivering repetition. I'm not practicing role playing very much and I'm not holding anyone accountable. And neither was the managers after I left because they weren't even in the training. So they don't even know what I said to their salespeople. So they weren't holding anyone accountable. And so I just thought to myself, man, I got to figure out a way to deliver good content with repetition, practice, and accountability. So I invented this system in my head, and then I went out and found a company to build it for me. And once they built my first version of Lightspeed, I put my content in there, and then I let these dealerships that were hiring me use it. So not only did I show up live and, and do the live event, well, afterwards, the passwords that I gave them allowed them to go, to go through the information with repetition, practice and role play with the simulations and the exercises that are in there. And then it tracked and measured everybody. So it told managers and me who was doing it, who wasn't doing it, who learned, who didn't learn. All of the information was given to us in real time, which allowed us to obviously get, get involved, particular based on who, who, who was taking it. So it worked so well for me, the dealership started buying it left and right. Then I started running into competition. People would say, oh, we use this guy named Joe Verde. He's the best. Oh, we use Grant Cardone. He's the best, which they weren't the best. I was the best. However, guess what? I'm not going to argue. If you think Grant Cardone or Joe Verde's better, why don't you have those guys on Lightspeed? Ultimately, I decided to collaborate instead of compete. So then I went to those guys in that business and I closed them on using Lightspeed because they were having the same challenge as I was. And so they decided to use Lightspeed. I took my name off and my training out and put their name on and their training in. And then I went to Zig Ziglar and Tom Hopkins and John Maxwell and Brian Tracy and everybody else that had a big name and I closed them. So, so, so some people basically say, I'm the guy that closes the guy that teaches you to close. <laughs> but anyway, I closed all the big names and then I decided, look, I'm gonna focus on the platform and the technology so everybody in the world can, can get whatever expert they want. And uh, then I grew it into an eight-figure, almost nine-figure business, and here we are today. Wow. So essentially, you run a tech business now, really, don't you? I am a CEO of a tech company, 100%. And where you are right now with that business, are you, uh, clearly you're very proud of what you've done. That, that what you've developed, are you constantly fine-tuning it and trying to make it better and better and better all the time? Or is there always limitations with how people will, at the end of the day, engage with e-learning and online training strategies? Well, the, the, the question you just asked, the answer is both. I mean, there, there, are, there are limitations uh, when, it, when it comes to people's willingness to do things. But, you know, I don't look at the limitations. I, I kind of try to focus on the abundance of it all. But we are constantly updating the system. The system today doesn't look like it did a year ago. You know, we're adding leaderboards and gamification and badges and, and communication tools and triggers and exercises and simulation and, you know, AI type things. Um, eventually, it'll be fully voice, you know, voice recognition. So we're constantly staying at, at the cutting edge of it.
Like if I showed you Lightspeed versus your system, you would say, oh, I just have a website with some videos on it. Because again, most of those universities and, and, and learning systems, you know, I, you know, there's a number of them. They're, they're okay for what they're for. And what they're for is, hey, you want a place to host your videos and, and charge people to get access? Okay, that's, that's a hosting solution with a paywall. That system is not designed to get you to learn what's in it. Our system does those things, but it also, and by the way, most of those systems, they don't even host your videos. They allow you to put a link in. You got to go get a Vimeo account or host them somewhere else. Our system, you actually upload and host all of your content, but our system allows you to create interactive content and then it's designed to get people to actually learn what's in it through repetition, practice, and accountability. So there's a big difference between the two. It's like, it's like you know, saying a, a, a Rolls Royce is like a Camry. I mean, a Camry is a nice car, bro, but you know, it takes 13 months to build a Rolls Royce, takes 13 weeks to build a Camry. Mm. Okay, I get it. I agree. I agree. Okay. I'm going to get one of your guys to call me because you're on my podcast and my audience and all of the people that use my software <laughs> of my learning system and now going to be going, what, what have you sold us, Spence? What have you got? Why haven't you got what Brad's got? <laughs> well, listen, listen, I got to tell you this. You know, a lot of times I always tell people it's because they don't know or they don't care. Now that you know, it's clear that you, you care because now you want to talk. But at the end of the day, most people don't know the difference. It's, it's, it, and that's my fault. That's not your fault. Yeah, that's a fair thing. Fair thing. Now, a couple of other things. Okay. Uh, I saw you being interviewed the other, other day on a podcast. It only came out recently, but I could see it was done before the COVID crisis. You've been interviewed by Jordan Belfort on his podcast. Um, I, we all love the movie. Don't get me wrong. It was a great movie to watch. And lots of us can, you know, take things out of it that we're either shocked by or we wish we were part of and all that kind of stuff as young people. But uh, I don't, you know, Jordan Belfast regards himself as a great salesperson, but I don't, I don't regard someone who's essentially a criminal who went to jail for crimes and never repaid the money that he stole. I don't typically regard them as people that can stand in the same, in the same line as people that are great salespeople. Do you have any feelings towards that? Well, I understand where you're coming from. I mean, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say you can't be a good salesman and go to jail um, <laughs> because you can be a good salesman and do the wrong thing and, and make wrong choices. I think Jordan, um, you know, definitely made the wrong choice and he paid for it. Uh, but I also think, cause I've, I've heard a little bit of his content. I think, I think he's got some decent uh, sales training. Um, I would say that, listen, like for example, I've never seen your sales training, but I, if someone came to me and said, should I listen to him? I would say yes. And here's why everybody kind of will resonate with someone different. So in other words, if I took your content, went on stage and taught it, and you took my content and went on stage and taught it, and then we surveyed everybody, there would be people that said, I suck, and people say, you suck. Yeah. And then if we went exactly with the same people and changed positions, the same people would, 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 would change their minds. In other words, that was a confusing way to say, look, I mean, you could say the exact same thing and people will say, I, I'm better or you're better. Why? Because of how you say it, your demeanor, um, their, their internal feelings. Sometimes I walk out on stage and people think, oh, he thinks he's slick. Well, number one, I do. But that's beside the point. The, the funny thing is, is you, you can't you can't please everybody. Yeah. Right? 
I, like, for example, Grant Cardone. Dude, there's a lot of people that love Grant Cardone, a lot of people that can't stand Grant Cardone. What's the difference? Hey, I think that out of any group of 100 people, there's 30 people that love you, 30 people that hate you, and 40 people that don't care. And the 40 people that don't care, you're never going to get anywhere with them. The 30 that love you, you're not selling to them because they're already buying. The ones that you've got to work hard to sell to are the ones that are telling you they hate you because you probably can sell to them if you tried. But uh, yeah, I agree with that kind of sentimentality. All right, good. And I I think the most important thing is, is how do you resonate with people? In other words... I have a way of simplifying things that are harder to understand. And, I, and a lot of people like that. Um, a lot of people uh, equate that to being real. Um, when in reality, you and I, I'll bet you if we laid our sales training out, there's a lot of similarities, you know, because sales is sales. You know, some people, some people will call it an introduction. Some people will call it a meet and greet. Some people say there's six steps. Some people say there's seven or 14. But when you break it down and look at it, it's all very similar. The only real differentiator I've seen out there is, is usually the first step in the sales process. I'm curious, Spencer, what is your first step in the sales process? If it's face-to-face selling. Sure. My, my, my first step. So I come from a financial services background. So I think when, when I got into, into sales and, and really learned about sales, um, I became very passionate and started to see that there were a lot of people out there that were messing up their futures. So I was meeting a lot of people that 65 year old people that were going into retirement and broke and it really kind of bothered me. And so once I learned about financial services, I got, I got very angry in the beginning. I'm like, why would somebody be such an idiot? And then when they're 65, I have 30 years of being broke after working all their life. It just, I couldn't process that. And so being a financial advisor as I was for many, many years, it, it, everything to me was about uh, some simple processes. Number one, okay, build rapport with people when you meet them for the first time. Okay, pay attention, listen to what they're saying, ask them in three di- you know, distinct areas, work, social and family, get to know them a bit first. Once you've allowed them to speak for a while, then you can, you're given the chance to speak yourself and you can explain what you do and how you bring some value to people. And then, okay, ask people permission for two things. Number one, I say to people, I'm known to be a bit, a bit of a straight talker. I say it like it is. Would you like me to level with you today or should I fluff it up around the edges? And everyone says, level with me. And that gives me then the freedom to say whatever I want to say. And then, okay, um, for me, again, bear in mind, I'm, I'm, 50, I'm 50 years old tomorrow. So from 1988 onwards, I was in sales. And from 1990, I was in financial services, lived in 10 different countries, dealt, dealt with different nationalities. But I, I, I knew back then that the secret to success was referrals. And so I literally worked extremely hard at making sure that the most important thing I got out of my first meeting with a prospect was referrals. That was like my everything. We didn't have social media back in those days, as you know. And so for me, it was build rapport. And when I'm building rapport, try and find out who in their network is going to be someone I could lean into. So I don't know, something like the guy likes golf. I know he plays a four ball. Those three guys he played golf with, they need to be my referrals. If the guy's got kids that go to school, who are the other parents he knows? If the guy works in a company with lots of people that earn decent money, who are the guys closest to him? That kind of stuff. So for me, it was referrals at everything own it, okay, and make sure no matter what happens, even if you don't get a sale, because you won't always get a sale, always get referrals. And so 
I then worked out quite simply to, 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 to and back, back in those days, it was like, I need to earn a million dollars. It was like my thing, you know, million dollars, million dollars. Well, I worked out I needed to get 45 referrals a week. And to most people in my industry, that was just insane. What do you mean 45 referrals a week? That's nuts. But I knew I needed to see 10 first appointments, which meant I needed 15 in my diary because I knew that five might reschedule as they did. People always had other things that came up, but it would definitely mean I'd see 10. So if I needed 15 in my diary, I needed three referrals to everyone that went in my diary. So I needed 45 referrals. I then said to myself, that's nine a day. That's four and a half in the morning, four and a half in the afternoon. Come on, that can't be so hard. And the way that my process worked is my, my, my the old kind of like fact finds we used to have used to have three referral spaces at the top of the fact find so you could get three intros to other people. But for me, it was like, shit, I need way more than that. So I redesigned this form and sat down with people. And as you say, everyone I know gives me between 10 or 15 referrals, knowing I wasn't going to get referrals from everyone, knowing I wasn't going to get 15. But if I asked for 15, I knew I'd always get five. And getting five from everybody meant I'd get 50 a week, covered my 45, I'd be fine. So Report was critical for me. It's like, like, learn how to be really good at it. And don't bullshit, okay? Be genuinely interested in people. And I think that's why I like doing the podcast because I'm actually really interested in people and why they do what they do, how they achieve what they've achieved, what failures they've had, and that kind of stuff. I'm genuinely interested. So building rapport made that happen. And whether it's talking to a successful dude like you, okay, and, and learning about the entrepreneurship that you have and the, the business that you've built, or whether it was Nick Yaris last week, who was 22 years on death row, for a crime he didn't commit. I'm just fascinated to learn about people's stories. So, and by the way, I would agree with everything you said. Uh, build rapport, we call gather intel. So again, that's what I'm talking about, their similarities, except usually one, and it was the first step. What's your first step? When I meet somebody for the first time. Well, it's your content, I don't know. But in my mind, the sales process begins every day when you go to work. Okay. So no matter where, where you are, whether you work online, work in person, there's a process and there's a daily thing that you're supposed to follow. My first step in the sales process, it doesn't change whether you're online or otherwise, but the first step would be before you begin to sell anything to anybody. The first step. Okay, what is your first step? What is your first step? <laughs> Before I sell anything to anybody, so when I go to work in the morning, before I sell, yeah, I don't know, my attitude, my, my understanding what my goals are, being clear on what I've got to do, making sure that I've got the right mindset. Okay, let's call that preparation. Okay. Very few people you will see in the world will, 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 will teach preparation as their first step. Their usual first step is meet and greet, introductions, shaking somebody's hand. And I'm not, I'm not, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with that because all the things you just said in that last 10 minutes, I agree with all of it. Build rapport, listen for the answers, ask good questions, except for, but my point earlier was most everybody's sales training somehow is very similar because sales is sales. The only difference are the nuances and the small experiences that we all have and how we, and how we resonate with somebody. So if you can explain to somebody very easily and they like the way you deliver it, they're going to like you better than they like the next guy, even though you guys are saying the same thing. So to me, I realized that at a very young age. So it's like if someone's like a Grant Cardone fan or a Spencer fan, like I, I don't, I don't even try to argue. I, you know, they're both awesome. And the reason I'm saying that is because you asked about Jordan Belfort. I, I never say someone doesn't, have good content in, unless I've went through it and I think that, which in Belfort's case, I don't think that. I think Jordan Belfort's straight line selling system 
has some very valuable information in it. But I, again, I don't think if you put me and Jordan Belfort on a sales floor that he would even come close to my results. He can straight line everybody all he wants. I'll outsell him. I'll outgross him. And I'll out-referral him. In other words, you're right, dude. Most people forget to ask for referrals. I used to freaking get referrals so uniquely, people would literally not even realize how I'm getting so many. I would walk up to people and I would say, hey, let me ask you a question. I'm trying to buy people's cars for my used car lot. If you write down five names and numbers of who you know and what they drive, I'm going to try and buy their car from them. And if I do, I'm going to send you a, a bird dog or whatever we were offering. See, I turned into a buyer. Everybody gave me names and numbers because they didn't think I was going to sell anything. They thought I was going to buy. And anytime you would ask for referrals, most salespeople, they go up and they're like, hey, let me ask you a question. You know anybody that wants to buy a truck or a car? And hey, do you know anybody I can sell a house to? Or hey, do you know anybody that else needs a copy machine? And then they're like, well, you know, I'm not sure. And even if they do, they don't really want to tell you, especially if they don't like you, because they don't want to be blamed by their friend for giving their phone number. So a lot of times, a lot of salespeople ask for referrals, but they just don't get any. Because asking, do you know anybody I can sell? When in reality, you flip the script and you ask, do you know anybody I can pay? And dude, everybody opens up their phone book because they don't mind giving you names of their friends and relatives to cut them a check. Okay, right. Okay, I get it. I get it. Okay, let me let me tell you where I come from on this then. So I agree. The ones that ask for it don't ask them the right way. They invariably then don't get any. They get rejected. It hurts them. And then they, they, they ask weaker and weaker and weaker approaches until they give up altogether. But again, going back to when I was in financial services, it was for me, it was like, holy Okay, if you're married and you've got kids and you don't have life cover and you die, you are nuts. If you get a 65 and you're broke, you're nuts. There's other people that you know that I don't know that need to know about this. They need to stop making these bad decisions. Okay, and if you introduce me to those people, you are doing them a favor. And it didn't come from a place of selling. It came from a place of like, this is serious. This is a big problem. And so that's the kind of the kind of the, the, the feeling I've always had towards it. It's like referring someone isn't is, isn't doing me a favor. Referring someone is doing them a favor. And so, again, that's where your conviction comes in, how you deliver what you're delivering, doesn't it? Yeah, and you've also got enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is very contagious. Yeah, I give you that. Can we talk about a couple of things that are off subject right now, but very poignant and important right now? I've been watching some of your videos about your, your thoughts towards the lockdown and the virus and stuff like that. And so just to give you a picture over here, a long time before you guys had, we had the schools close. And everyone was like, what do you mean they're closing the schools? This is nuts. And four weeks later, you started closing schools in the States, but we were already closed. And then a few weeks after that, okay, public gatherings were stopped. And a few weeks after that, okay, then it came in and it was total lockdown, 24 hours a day lockdown that we had going for, I think, four weeks. Now the lockdown is over 24 hours a day. It's only 10 p.m. until 6 a.m. that you can't leave your house. The rest of the time you can go about your business. But in Dubai, we have, just to give a comparison, in London, you have 900 ICU beds in hospitals. In Dubai, we have 3,000 ICU beds in hospitals because we have a lot of that medical tourism here. So there's loads of hospitals, right? And they've also set up another um, place, uh, the, the World Trade Center, which is an exhibition center. They've added another 3,000 beds um, of ICU for in case they get the virus. More people have been tested here than anywhere else in the world per capita. But 
for me, yes, there's people getting sick, but the impact of this on the economy and on people's lives, to me, is so mind-blowingly frightening that I don't know where the balance is or where this, this, has, to, this has to come out with stopping businesses and economies running for the welfare of what I've noticed from the statistics are predominantly o older people or people that have got a pre-existing pre condition. You, you seem to feel pretty similar about this and we need to kind of like get back to work. Is that right? Yeah, well, in my opinion, if there was a serious threat, obviously um, staying at home and quarantining is, 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 is a good idea. The problem is, is it's not a serious threat. Give me, give me some idea about what you, what, what you mean by that. You say it's not a serious threat. It's not a serious threat for most of the population. At the end of the day, COVID-19 is not as deadly as they want us to believe it is. This is just my opinion, obviously. It's not as deadly as people believe it is. I think people are doing a cash grab. This is the biggest bank robbery in the history of the world. And people say, well, this one's more contagious. Well, again, I know a lot of people, dude. I know a lot of people. I don't know anyone that's had COVID, nobody. They said the hospitals are gonna be overwhelmed. I drove to all the hospitals in Las Vegas just to check them out. They were all empty. I know doctors that work here. They're basically getting laid off. Nurses are getting furloughed, why? Nobody's coming to the hospitals, why? Well, number one, they don't have COVID. Number two, they're not even going in there in fear of getting COVID. Like, like they might have a surgery that they need or they might wanna go check their prostate, but they're not doing it because they're afraid they might get COVID, right? And then you see, these, you see these stories where it's like, you know, everybody's lining up for COVID testing. Dude, I drove around all the free COVID testing places. Nobody was in line. Those weren't crowded. They're lying to us. Now, the question is, why? Why are they blowing it out of proportion? That's what I don't know. It, you know, do I believe all the conspiracy, like 5G, you know, all this crazy stuff? Possibly, again, I mean, I don't know. But I can promise you this, they're lying. The mainstream media, they're responsible for this, for this hyped up nonsense. Uh, the Ferguson guy that did the projections when all this started, they did some calculations. And basically the calculations from a very reputable person said, if we don't do something, this is going to cause massive death. Okay, so we shut down. Makes perfect sense to me. We shut down. That's what I would do too. But then when the data started coming in, it, it, didn't, it didn't calculate, which means the projections were wrong. So again, I think they feel stupid now. And I think it's, it's, it's easier to slowly go back. They don't look as stupid. Because what, how dumb would they feel if they said, okay, sorry, guys, go, go back to work. No, there's no threat. Do you think Donald Trump and Boris Johnson know what's going on? Yeah, I believe a lot of people know what's going on, but very few. In other words, there's probably a hundred people in the world that actually know what's going on. There's just so many people. If you, if you ask me, it's political. Okay. And it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit um, world control. In other words, like, for example, why are people listening to Bill Gates? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Bill Gates wanted everyone to use his operating system and he, and, he, and he was able to successfully get most of the world to use his MS-DOS operating system all those decades ago. Maybe he wants the rest of the world to use his vaccine. 
Maybe. Then I see then I see Melinda Gates. I see his wife on the news being interviewed. Well, what do you think about this? Well, what do you think about that? Who gives what she thinks? Like, why why are you asking her? Why don't you ask Spencer? Why don't you ask somebody else? Why are you asking Melinda Gates? She's the she's she's the wife of a rich guy. What makes her an expert? Okay, and for that matter, what makes Bill Gates an expert? He's rich. That doesn't make him an expert. Okay, it's stupid talking to you in Dubai. I don't know. Like over there, I'd be more scared. If the Sheikh says that, 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 that you're going to prison for 10, 20 years, that's what happens. Yes or no? Well, there is. Uh, if it, they don't, it's not a democratic society. They have a, a, a essentially a leadership here, and the the benefit is that the, they can make decisions quickly and they don't have to worry about all the bureaucracy we do in the UK and the US. There's no fighting between the Democrats and the Republicans over here. The, the rulers of the country decide on what we do. So they, can, they, they work like a small business. They can spin on a penny, essentially. But if you, if you break the rules in their country, then you face the consequences of breaking their rules. And you, when, But you come to this country knowing there are rules. You come and live here and you don't pay income tax and you have the benefit of living in this wonderful place. Okay, but you know the rules to start with. And if you don't like the rules, don't come. See, they're, they're, I love that. You know why? Because if you don't like the rules, don't come. That makes perfect sense. But here's the difference. You know you have rulers, correct? They're rulers. They're royal families. They, they rule. It's their country. Okay, here we have representatives. And now you hear half the people calling them leaders. Like our leaders say, they're not our leaders, you idiot. They're representatives. They're supposed to be our mouthpiece. They're supposed to be who we elect to speak for us. They're not our rulers. They're not our leaders. They don't get to decide. They get to represent. They're representatives. Like that's the, this, that's the difference. Some of these governors of some of these states are acting like they're God. They're basically saying, we're not opening. And if you go to the beach, we'll arrest you. You'll arrest us for going to the beach by ourselves with nobody around. Yes, we will arrest you. And by the way, they're letting out criminals, sex offenders, serious crime, violent crime offenders. They're letting them out of jail because of COVID. But they're putting in a mom because her kid went next door to play with the neighbor. Yeah. So, they're, so they're letting out real criminals to put in mothers who decide to open up their salon. Like, dude, come on. This is, something's wrong. Doesn't, and, then, and then all these people, we call them sheeple. Okay, all of these sheeple that are walking around acting as if this is all okay. Like at the end of the day, look, I understand if there's a serious threat, stay in your home, please. Notice I said, please, you're allowed to go wherever you want, but Trust me when I tell you, there is a dangerous virus out there and you could be dead very quickly. Please stay home. Please stay home. That's a representative. That is, a, that is a, 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 what we have here. It's like they should be suggesting we stay home. If some dumbass doesn't want to stay home, guess what? They're risking their own life. Well, no, they're risking others. Not if you're home. How the hell are you going to get me six pence or running around the town if I'm home doing what I'm told? Love it. Love it. And not only that, let me tell you something. You got UPS, Federal Express, Home Depot, Lowe's, grocery stores. You've got all, by the way, essential businesses. Okay. Somebody deemed the liquor store as an essential business. Now, let me ask you a question. 
How is my business not essential, but the liquor store is essential? I'll tell you why. Because whoever made the laws drinks. <laughs> That's true. At the end of the day, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but there's just common sense that can be applied here, right? Listen, fitness facilities, no, they're not, they're not essential. Shut them down. But, but, but take them outside. Separate. Like, do group exercise outside. Okay. Listen, we don't want people inside touching equipment. Why? Well, because there's a dangerous virus. Okay, good. It's been long enough. Yeah, I agree with you. Brian Rose has a podcast called London Real in the UK, and he had a guy called David Icke, a conspiracy theorist on. They did three episodes. He was cancelled out of LinkedIn, cancelled out of Facebook, cancelled out of YouTube, you name it. Um, they were like, we don't agree with this. And it was just some 60-year-old guy's opinion, really, on, on what he thought was going on with, you know, the the the, the 5G issues the relating to the virus, etc. So I completely agree with you. You're the host of Dropping Bombs, okay? For the audience that listening right now what episode should they go listen to right now what's the best episode you got that they should listen to you know i don't know uh i i don't listen to them after i do them because i was there uh there's some there's some if you're interested in in you're so sarcastic it's untrue you're so funny it's like it's like i'm talking to an american version of me (laughs) well i don't listen to them because i was there and that's the truth i don't go back and listen to them however um, I, I, I think they're all good in a way. Um, some of them are a little more um, sophomoric than others. Um, I think they're all real and, and it's, it's like an open conversation. I think if you went to number one, you'd get hooked and listen to them all. But I think depending on your interest, there's one that I just did with Dr. Buttar. It's on YouTube also, 264. We've, we kept it very intelligently not saying certain words so they didn't get flagged. It's still up. Right now it's almost got you know, half a million views in a couple of days. And so people are liking it, but I would go look at that one. And then, um, man, uh, you know, I'd just randomly close your eyes and pick, but I'd say, give it three. If you don't like it after three, you're probably not going to like it at all. Who was your favorite guest? Who did you enjoy interviewing the most? Man, you know, I've had a lot of top people in here. Uh, I, I, I think I enjoy them all. You know, I'm one of those guys that, that believe that you learn from everybody. Every time I approach somebody, I realize they know something I don't. And I'm, I'm a fan of learning. I seek new information because at the end of the day, Spencer, if you want to change what you're getting, you have to change what you're doing. And if you want to change what you're doing, you have to change your beliefs because people behave the way they do because of what they believe. And in order to change your beliefs, you need new information. That's, that's why people change their mind because they found out something new. So, so I am avidly seeking new information on a regular basis. So to me, every time I do a podcast, man, it's new information. I enjoy it every single one of them. I don't, I don't know which ones I, I enjoy the most. Um, you know, between Grant Cardone, Jordan Belford, Damon John, um, people that you've never heard of are awesome. There was, there was a, a, a um, man, yeah, uh, her name's Egypt, Shiraj, she was awesome. Um, David Neagle I just got done uh, talking to was awesome. Um, today I'm doing Andy Frisella. Yesterday I did a guy named David Rodriguez who basically is very aware of an elite pedophile ring in Hollywood. It's not a rumor. It's not a myth. They really are you know, exist, that they exist. So I, so I was very interested in that because, because I, because I, you know, have a soft spot for, for children and abuse and things of that nature. So that was, that was crazy. Um, Dr. Buttar, 
that one was unbelievable. If you want to go really look into this COVID, start looking up Dr. Buttar. Um, you know, they're deleting them as fast as they see them. And it's not like David Ikes. Okay, David Ikes, I saw. He, he's, he's got his opinions. Okay, Buttar's got stats and, and, and facts. Okay, and so do many, 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 many other doctors. They're just not being, they're not being heard because they're being censored. I'd go look at that one. Plus, there was a police officer that got on. I, I shared his video. His video got went viral. He basically said, look, I'm a law enforcement officer, and I don't know how the rest of you feel, but, like, I'm being told to arrest people for things that they shouldn't be arrested for. I'm being told to enforce laws that, that our governor is basically making up out of his And I just don't feel right doing this, right? So, so we should be based on the constitution and we should be you know so basically he's he's being what he should be which is a law enforcement officer well he basically said i don't these aren't laws that we're enforcing they're 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 commands and i don't think we should be doing it so they fired him see what i mean like dude what the hell's the problem right now the governor does not make our laws Mm, I get it. I get it. I saw. I think I saw that police officer one as well. So another one you're talking about for sure. Okay. Last question I've got for you. I've got two daughters. Mine are 18 and 21. Your daughters are there's four. I believe you've got for a youngster and and some one of that's old. 30 years old or something. Yeah. Yeah. I got six kids from nine women. <laughs> Tell me, have you ever had any of your kids come and work in the business with you? Yeah, I've got three of them that work here. What's it? What's it like having? Having dad as the boss. Uh, for them, I'm sure it's comforting because they can't get fired. But, you know, <laughs> for, for me, it, it's, ner it's nerve wracking because I want them to do better than most. And, uh, you know, you got to be a little harder on them than, than you want to be. But I have two little ones, uh, five and seven. And then I've got two boys in the middle, which is, let's say, 23 and 26. And then I've got two older girls. One is 31 and one is 34. How old are you? 51. Get the bed, man. I'm turning 50 tomorrow. I'm terrified about being 50. What was it like when you turned 50? Same thing it was like when I turned 30. <laughs> I won't go any further on that. Last question before you go. Best piece of advice you've ever been given? The best piece of advice I've ever been given would probably be don't worry about what other people think. Too many people fear other people's judgment, so it stops them from saying what they want, doing what they want, and ultimately it causes them to not end up fulfilled. Um, and, and if they are fulfilled, it's fulfilled with regret. You know, I think, I think relationships are the new currency. I think relationships basically is the new economy. So, so if it would be my best advice to you or anybody listening is to shake more hands meet more people you know it's not it, it, the more hands you shake the more money you make the first relationship you want to master is the one that you have with yourself too many people believe it or not don't like themselves that's why they're they're introverts that's why they don't feel comfortable at parties that's why they don't feel comfortable introducing themselves because they don't value themselves they question their own value so i would say start out building the relationship you have with yourself so you value yourself and then go out and meet as many people as you can and try to help as many people as you can and i'll bet you anything by the time you get to the pearly gates if that's where you're going man 
you're going to freaking be one happy camper. Awesome. Brad Lee, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really, really grateful that you took the time to talk to me. Please get one of your sales guys to give me a call or send me an email or something, and uh, maybe we'll hook up getting a demo done and seeing what we can do and working together. Fair enough. Now, listen, if, if, if I do that, make sure that no matter what your answer is after that, you call me back so you and I can talk. Sure, for sure. Because if you don't do it with them, number one, I'd like to hear your feedback of their presentation. And then number two, then I'll close you for them. <laughs> oh, the easiest man to sell to is a salesman there you go <laughs> ladies and gentlemen i just know that if you see what it what it's what you're supposed to see there's no other choice like like there's no other choice there's no reason in the world you wouldn't have it the only reason people don't get it is they don't know about it or they don't understand it and i'll make sure you understand everything by the time we finish our conversation beautiful Ladies and gentlemen, Bradley, what a star. Thank you so much for your time, mate. I genuinely appreciate it. Have yourself a successful day. Well, Spencer, if and when you ever want to get on Dropping Bombs, let me know. I'd love to have you. I'd love to come on, mate. Yeah, I'd absolutely love to come on. Yeah, I'll hold you to that for sure. Fair enough. Nice talking with you. See you soon. Bye now. Well, there we have it. How cool was that? Bradley, loads of energy, loads of drive, great sales guy. Okay, some of the video content is not gonna be as clear because it wasn't so good. So please forgive me from that perspective. But what were the takeaways today? Oh, so many. Now, dropping bombs, dropping a few F-bombs, I think, in there as well, if I'm honest with you. But you can see the guy, he's gone out there, he's worked out the solution to training, he's built an interactive system, he's, he's got himself together with something that, that he feels can really make a difference. And when people are passionate about that kind of stuff, you can see it just oozes out of them. He's got an opinion on many things. And do you know what? It talks a lot of sense, in my opinion, to be honest with you. So tell me what your thoughts are, tell me what you think, and hopefully you've enjoyed the show. If you would like to see more of the content that I produce, then you can click over there somewhere, okay? You'll be able to find some of the other episodes. If you click over here somewhere, even better, guess what? You'll be able to subscribe and get access to all the content I produce. So without fail, do me a favor, do yourself a favor, give it a click over there. I'll see you soon.